Welcome to the Bend ICOC podcast, where we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Don't forget to leave us a review and a rating, and thank you very much for listening. Uh, you know, last time I preached, it was on the armor of God out of Ephesians 6, and a bunch of people afterwards said, oh no, you didn't exhort us enough, and you should have been uh, more truthful, and it's like, ah, it's, it's weird, okay. Um, so today I'll, I'll go a little bigger, and then afterwards you can tell me to, uh, to back off, you know, if then that is indeed too much. But I'll also just speak to myself and preach to myself, because today's sermon is about prayer. That's our theme for the month. And I got to say, sometimes I don't feel like praying. Who's ever felt that way? Oftentimes I don't feel like praying. Probably a sign that I should pray, and I probably know that, but I kind of repress that, Right. I remember very early on, they call it the Jesus prayer. I had to get used to it. If you're going to deny yourself, take up your cross, right? Matthew, what is it, 26? Not my will, but yours. Jesus, I don't want to do the things that I want to do. I want to do the things that you want to do. I'd pray that like a lot, to feel like praying. And I hope to give us a couple of tools this morning like that, that can help your prayer life. Uh, Tools to come, it's in the Bible, stuff that's from the Bible, so that's good. And in fact, one of the tools even using the Bible to pray more. And so I hope that it can lead to fruit in our prayer life, um, encouragement for us today. Um, again, thank you all for being here. And we're going to speak about prayer simply and boldly. I, was, I think I gave Kelsey a shout out about this last time I was in Eugene, that it was Kelsey when I was studying the Bible to first become a disciple and thought, I don't know if I want to do the take up my cross stuff. She said, just get on your knees and pray. And I was like, "Ah, I don't really know if I should do that. And, uh, but simple and bold is my point with that. We want to be simple and bold with prayer. So let's pray one more time before we preach about prayer. Let's pray prayer. Then we'll turn to Acts chapter 4. Father God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I I pray that your words can speak to people today. Uh, Your Holy Spirit can nudge people today, Lord. Um, the, Lord, uh, I pray that we can go from this room, go into our week uh, closer to you in prayer, more aligned with you in prayer, Lord, um, and praying with one another, praying for others until we're praying with others, God, in the city and around the state of Oregon. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn your Bibles over to Acts chapter 4. And I'm going to be talking, yes, about simple and bold prayer, but extraordinary prayer. What makes it extraordinary prayer when we're just ordinary people? So we covered Acts chapter 4 last week when we were in our discovery groups. And it says there that they saw they had boldness and courage in Peter and John, and they perceived that they had been with Jesus. But they were ordinary men, unschooled men. And then they go and do this extraordinary thing in Acts chapter 4. They're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So what I mean by extraordinary prayer is that you're connecting with an extraordinary God. He's bringing the extra. He's making it extraordinary. You're, you're taking a small faith step, a baby step towards him, and he is coming through and doing the rest of the work. Ordinary men with extraordinary prayer. It's, uh, and so context here, this, they meet before... The rulers and the council, the council, and they say, hey, don't talk about Jesus. And they say, wow, these guys have boldness because they do the exact opposite. And they go and they talk about Jesus with everyone. One of my favorite Bible talk questions, Mark and I, we're, we're in the Bible talk on Thursdays on campus. And I would say, hey, what does Jesus tell us to do and what do we do instead? 
And with Acts 4, when that comes up in Bible talk, they said, well, yeah, they told them not to talk about Jesus, and they went and talked about Jesus. And today, we usually tell people to talk about Jesus, and then they don't talk about Jesus. <laughs> and that convicts me. That convicts me. I go, okay, I need to ask myself that question just as much. So what does the first century church do for prayer in the book of Acts, and what do we do instead? How can we align more closely with it? Proclaiming Jesus' name, spite of persecution. I hope that this stirs us because they were stirred. They're shaken by the Holy Spirit. I hope that we get a little shook up by the Holy Spirit sometimes, guys. It's my prayer that the Holy Spirit does shake some of us this morning. So let me read it. I have a slide about this. Right here, Acts chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 24, the Word of God. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, This is afterward. Peter and John with the believers, with the church in its corporate prayer, and they lift their voices. They're shouting this. I don't think it was a whisper. They say, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, and just imagine that, every grain of sand and every school of fish and every microorganism and every tree and forest, and it's crazy to think that they're lifting their voices, they're shouting to this God, and they're ordinary men with an incredible sovereign Lord, lifting their voices to the God who made everything, the master of the universe, and connecting with him. I think sometimes we forget that's what we're doing when we're praying. I think sometimes we wonder, am I really connecting with the Holy Spirit right here? I think sometimes we wonder when the word of God is read or preached or you're having a quiet time on it, is the Holy Spirit really speaking through that? Well, it is. When the word of God is preached or when you're reading it and when you're praying, you are connecting with the Spirit of the Lord. Let's pick it up. Who through the mouth of our father David, good example of that, your servant said, by the Holy Spirit, and he quotes Psalm 2 right here, why did the Gentiles rage and the, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the anointed. For truly in the city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Man, I pray for that boldness today. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together, was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Here's a tool to empower your prayer life. Pray the word of God. They quote Psalms 2 right there. They quote Psalms 146, 6. The early church prayed the Psalms together. They were prompted, inspired by the word of God to speak these words in their prayer together. Why not you? And I think we often do do this, but I think it could help us a lot more by doing it more. Why not you? Because the fruit was Holy Spirit filling, boldness, courage, speaking the word of God, healing, signs, and wonders. And the root is praying the word of God. And that's our theme for the years, rooted and I hope that we can be rooted in this corporate prayer. Coming together more. Praying in the Spirit more. 
to call this place a, a house of prayer. To pray honestly as much as we preach here is something to attain to. You know, we've hosted a lot of prayer events, and, and we, we meet up two by two in the prayer as well quite often. I, I want to see that so much more in my own life. Because i got to say this, I'm not that great at praying. But I know some of you are pretty great at praying. I know there's some of you in this room that we need to learn from in prayer. And it's with that heart of humility that we can come to one another to increase prayer. It's my heart to pray more with the church. So as much as, yes, we had two sermons on prayer this month and it's our theme, we really just want to be praying more with one another. Amen. Simple and bold. Now here's a disclaimer. Maybe when I start talking about pray more, some of us feel a little spiritually self-condemned. And ah, that's not me. Can't do that. Um, man, my words, I, I don't sound like those other people who pray. I can't pray as long as those other people. Ron said it best a few weeks ago from Matthew 6. Jesus gives the permission, the freedom, whatever length you pray, that's just fine. But have the heart of a learner to grow in it as well. I think that we can end up praying in vain when we have empty phrases, but I think sometimes those empty phrases can be when we think we have prayer mastered. And I'm great at prayer and I got it all figured out and... Um, or look, I, I, maybe even the heart of, I can quote this prayer, but it's not really the heart of bringing the word of God out. We don't want to have that. One tool to help you pray the word of God helps it to not be empty or random words or your own masterful words that you have written, but the words of God. And it's totally fine to just have conversational, simple prayer. I realize we all kind of pray for the same five or six things, and that's totally fine. Like, we're all going to naturally pray for our family and our needs and bless our food and things like that over and over and over again. And that's so good, and we need to do it, but we need to have intentionality in prayer as well. The Word of God can help us to do that. It can help me because my mind wanders. So don't condemn yourself if you feel you don't have the quantity or the quality of prayer because there's a lot of quantity and quality right here. Read a verse of the Bible. Read it out loud, pray it, go to the next verse. It's transformative, let me tell you. And let me tell you a little bit more about that. Jesus doesn't look for the perfection in it. He looks for the commitment. The Holy Spirit to keep transforming us and keep progressing in this prayer. I'll say one thing, you know, we preached a lot of sermons in Ephesians this past year. And I was saying it to the brothers at the beginning of summer, you know, I think I probably sermon prep more than I pray. And that was definitely true at the time. It's more than I think I know. And I wanted to really reverse that. It was really tough for me to reverse that. I, it's still tough for me to reverse that. But I got to tell you, even going out once or twice or three times or more and just praying through the book of Ephesians, those prayers, <coughs> a lot more powerful than prepping. Praying scripture. That's how the word transforms us. So use those tools that Acts 4 gives us. Pray the word of God. Because it's taking words that originated in the heart of God. Praying them back to God. In the mind of God. Circulating them back through your heart and your mind. Giving them back to God. Becomes the container. Becomes the, the wings for your prayer. 
God's language, his vernacular, his dialect, uh, employing his idioms. Because the word of God is living and active, spirit and truth. That's what we're dealing with this morning. You're praying the words of spirit and truth. Of course, there's prayers in the New Testament, but the Psalms themselves, I just got to say, no other book of the Bible was meant to be sung back to God. <laughs> the songs are songs for God. They're purpose to be given back to God. Let's give them back to God, guys. I'll give you an inspiring example. A guy who inspires me, George Mueller, took care of thousands of orphans, probably more than 2,000 at a time, and clothed them and fed them and gave them work and employment, and he was a prayer warrior. You wouldn't know it, though, because he never talked or bragged about his prayer or said what God was doing. He just gave out annual reports, and then through those annual reports, people saw what God was doing in his life, took care of more than 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. He never made his needs known, though, but you can imagine there's a lot of needs there. He kept a diary he has 50,000 recorded answers to prayer in his journals, 30,000 of which were answered the same day or even hours later, 500 a year, more than one per day, 460 years, over half a billion dollars donated to his ministry going through his hands. This guy's faith didn't operate in the realm of the possible, but in dependence on God, which gives more glory to God when it's something that can't be done by human possible means. Here's how he got there, though. For 10 years, he said, I don't feel like praying. For more than 10 years, <laughs> George Mueller didn't feel like praying. What made the difference for him, he said at first he struggled to get in the spirit. He would waste time trying to humble himself. His mind would wander. Are you ever like that in the morning? You got to make the coffee first. I'm like that in the morning. He said all the difference was made when he finally could nourish his heart with the truth. And by that, have some experiential fellowship by conversing with God about what he found in the Word of God. First, looking to the Word of God and then talking to God about, man, God, I just read this. Back to God. That's what changed it for George Mueller. Jeremiah 23, 29 says this, is not my word like fire. And George Mueller encourages us that the word is fire, and it can be plunged into an icy heart, a cold heart, or a hard heart. If you continually do that, you can kindle your heart. You can feel like praying. Early church prayed the Psalms. George Mueller prayed the Psalms. Jesus Christ on the cross prayed Psalms 22. When he could barely breathe, then I don't think he felt like praying in that agonizing moment. Why not you pray the word of God back to God? That's Acts 4. Another area where you could pray the word of God, and I think we often do in this church when we go out two by two, going to spend the rest of our time in Luke chapter 10. Amen, church? We'll break it up piece by piece here. Mark and I have been talking about this on campus. Mark and I have been going out and trying to obey this on campus and going, oh, what do you think it means right here? Here we go. Verse 1. After the Lord had appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two, and every town and place where he himself was about to go, and he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. 
We did this at Market of Choice just yesterday. Hey, we could sit by the fire inside if you need that. We got the babies out there. They only lasted five, 10 minutes. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was fully aligned with this. <laughs> Anthony was out there at Drake Park a couple months ago. We tried to get Saoirse out on our prayer walk, and she just, how was that, Anthony? <laughs> I think even Anthony and I had to say, man, our hearts aren't really in this right now with uh, the decibels that were coming out from Saoirse. All right, I was reading the Bible here. Um, <laughs> that's right. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Prayer was primary, not preliminary, to their task. It was a specific instruction in everything they're doing. They're blessing homes, praying with the sick, asking for laborers, not greeting those on the road because they're probably too busy praying for someone specific. Every part of these instructions involved some specific dimension of dependence or prayer, bold and simple. Go to a city and pray for people there. You could add more onto it, but I think if I were to reduce it down, go over to those people and pray with them is Jesus' plan, a bold and simple plan. In our own efforts, I think we'll make less effort if we keep it bold and simple. I think that Jesus believed that their praying eyes would begin to see people the way he saw them. If you're like me, I walk around our neighborhood, and as I start to pray, I start to see some of the brokenness, some of the torn apart families, or maybe tent dwellings, whatever it is, and I begin to realize we need so many more prayer warriors. We need so many more intercessors. We need so many more healers, people blessing this area to heal this city. I can't do that alone. Man, we need God to come through here. I think he knew that their praying eyes would be open to the harvest in that way. Jesus himself, finding specific people to focus on, to heal, and focus in that way. Huge prayers that only God could accomplish. Half the time I go out, I'm just praying for vision because I'm not good at vision, but I know God has a vision for this city. <laughs> I know he needs to open my eyes to the things that their eyes were open to. And I know that the crazy thing is, Jesus, here's where I've gone so wrong in this over the years, Jesus mandated them to do the weakest humanly thing possible or what I think most of us in the world would perceive as weak, to go and to pray. And I think in my human nature, I want to go out and blitz the whole area with a superior firepower and supply lines, and rather than take no bag or money or sandals, uh, I'd rather let's get some funding and marketing and do everything else but pray, you know? <laughs> and let's get a lot of people and make it an attractional party and... Or let's just all get together so we don't have to depend on God more by going your way. He literally tells them, go your way, meaning split up, two by two. No, don't, don't scare people by outnumbering them. <laughs> I don't think Jesus would want us to go out and blitz a bunch of people like crazy. I think he'd want us to pray with them in dependence on him and to pray those huge prayers. Dependence because he says no purse, no bag, no shoes in verses 3 and 4 there. Symbols of strength right there. I mean, he doesn't give them a pep talk right here. 
You could argue in other areas, and when he sends out the 12, he says, hey, you're going to have this certain level of authority, but he sends them out to pray in that posture of dependence. At least he doesn't give them any human authority, I'll say that. Prohibits them from blitzing everyone they see. Greet no one along the road. But focus on that person who does want to pray. Does want to receive the kingdom. Run with them. I remember this passage is pretty revolutionary to me when I was baptized. I, wow, this is Jesus' way. I didn't grow up reading this. I grew up like you, you try to, and this is totally fine, but you try to get someone to church and then they'll maybe hear about the kingdom through the sermon and then maybe someone will pray with them after the service and then they'll be good to go. I was, well, I was not good to go growing up and doing that. I'll say that for myself. So this is revolutionary and I wanted to go out two by two all over campus and we saw people baptized and people going to the ministry. But more and more, I think I went out two by two and really lacked the prayer of going out two by two. And here's, you'll laugh at me, uh, going out with Daniel Latterbach on campus. This is when I was a broke, married, busy, far too busy uh, college student. And Daniel Latterbach was the paid minister, so I had a select amount of time to go out and evangelize with him on campus. And he'd say, oh, well, let's pray first in the graveyard. And he'd want to pray for like a third of our time together. I said, bro, that's a waste of my time. I already prayed this morning. <laughs> I told him that a few times. <laughs> I bring that up just to say that I was right. No, Daniel Lauterbach was right. I realize now, I was telling Veronica the other week, the most valuable thing you can do is pray. You don't need to run around. Even though you live by campus, pray on campus. That has much more value. This passage isn't a silver bullet technique. I'll just give that disclaimer but it does have principles to apply. It is the word of God that he expects us to do something with. So go your way. You could take that as adapt this into your world where you live, work, learn, and play. There are no houses to go to on campus, but there are people to go to. Maybe there's coworkers to go to. But I think the people who find the most fruit from this passage are those who apply the principles as closely as possible, adapting the message to their context. Simple truth, simply obeyed with wisdom from you adapting it and applying it. I'll give you a couple examples of it that inspire me. Modern day examples. Cody Dowdy, he planted a church in our movement over in Lynchburg, Virginia. Liberty University is there. It's very religious. I, I have a YouTube video about this, so go hit that like button if you want, but I'll also just summarize it real quick. He uh, inspires me because Cody's a guy who says, I'm not good at prayer. I know I need prayer. And here I am leading a mission team, but I'm terrified of being missional with people. So he figured prayer is a pretty approachable way to speak to other people. And, you know, my immediate reaction is, well, not in the Northwest, but <laughs> we got to hold back on that. Don't be like me. Cody, um, they planted the church in 2020 with 18 people. And yes, they had some move-ins and other things, but now they're up to 34 people. They've, they've doubled in two years. At least four or five people came through him praying with others, walking up to people and, hey, do you want to pray with me? Oh, what can I pray about for you? What are some needs in your life where you could bless or you need some of the peace of the kingdom? 
And hey, this is what I've got going. This, these are the things I'm dealing with because I need more intercessors for me and my ministry as well. Four or five people through prayer, that inspires me. Cody inspires me. Let's see what else I've written down about Cody. Oh, he, he gives us some tips. What's going on in your life? Do you have a spiritual mentor, someone helping you to grow? What's your testimony? How could we help with your relationship with God? Those are things that he'll follow up with in the prayer. Meeting guys at the gym. Meeting neighbors coming over for dinner. Maybe you're like Cody or like me, and you can be terrified of the mission at times. Maybe you find yourself being sent by Jesus, the call to be missional. Why not take the pressure off by using this prayer tool? So that's my second tool for you. Pray with others in addition to praying the word of God. Don't pray in your own strength, but maybe they have some great prayer points for you. Or maybe the Holy Spirit, when you don't know what to pray, and right? Romans 8 says that he has groanings for us. Pray in the Spirit. Oh, this other guy, Shadonke Johnson, another prayer warrior. Shadonke, I love saying his name. Got to meet him at the beginning of the month. I've, I've told some people about him, really sought him out because he, out of Sierra Leone, Africa, has multiplied to 500,000 disciples in 20 years. And he really doesn't care about the numbers. But preceding that disciple-making movement is a revival movement of the Holy Spirit. Preceding that was a prayer movement, praying with others. He's a prayer warrior. A lot of people don't believe those numbers, so they sent in official people to <laughs> do the reporting and fact check, and they found this. On the median, a leader spends 14 hours a week in prayer. The least time spent in prayer by some leaders is seven hours a week, and the highest is 35 hours. The survey figures also clearly revealed that the time spent in prayer by leaders is directly proportional to the effectiveness of their church planting ministry. And Shadonke's response to that is actually that it's they spend three hours a day in personal prayer and three hours a day in team prayer with co-laborers, so it's actually more like six hours a day for each person. On top of that, a three-day monthly fast, a 21-day fast at the start of the year, fasting once a week, and a monthly half-night fast that they start at midnight, and a monthly full-night fast. Yeah, I'm not good at praying when I am next to a guy like Shadonke. He's pretty good at it. He's pretty good at it. But he says this about disciples in his movement. This is his first principle, really, that every disciple should be trained to be an intercessor. It means praying for others, praying to God for others. So I know I'm talking a lot about numbers and fruit and the mission. Let's get back into this Luke 10 context. I think if it can be done in Sierra Leone, Africa, if it can be done in Lynchburg, Virginia, it can be done here in Bend, Oregon as well. We can pray with other people. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. I can do that. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, Eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. I just want to point out focus here. They were to focus their prayer efforts 
not get distracted with everyone, but focus on key people, these sons of peace, persons of peace, to the point where he says, remain with them, do not go to others. A lot of times Jesus says, go to your brother and resolve something, or go and make disciples. Here he says, do not go to everyone and blitzing around with them. Remain with that person. Remain with that person. Here's the thing. I think he wants us to invest in people more deeply and not be shallow with everyone. And you tend to get deep with people you pray with, right? Pray until the person you pray for is the person you're praying with. I need to do that with disciples in the church and with the lost. Jesus is pressing them to deepen their relationships by praying in their relationships. And I'll just point out, Jesus did this, hey, Peter's home in Capernaum. I'll find Peter, focus on him. He'll reach his household. I'll stay there and eat with him. Um, Matthew's house, reaching out to tax collectors. Acts 8, the Ethiopian. Acts 11, Cornelius. Acts 16, Philippi and Lydia. Focusing on key persons. When the rest of the city would not repent, the rest of the city would not listen, the rest of all those cities around Galilee were satisfied to see a couple miracles of Jesus but not have corporate repentance and follow him. So Jesus said, yeah, focus on the ones who do want to follow. He gets into shaking the dust off your feet here in a moment. But I want to encourage you, read Luke 10 as actual instructions to be obeyed and adapted. Simple and bold. Go to people and pray with them. So here, to be simple and bold for a moment. Can I be simple and bold with everyone for a moment? Yeah. All right, all right, all right. I got the, you'll receive me or reject me, Jesus says in a moment right here. <laughs> Jesus commanded you to pray and to make disciples. And he promises to be with you in that, and he promises to build his church. So don't worry about who is going with you or who shares up, shows up for your prayer walk because God is showing up for your prayer walk. And don't worry about building the church because God never called us to do that. He called you to pray and make disciples. Start with disciple making. You'll always get the church. Start with the church. You may not get to making disciples and you may not get to praying. Don't put the cart before the horse. Start with prayer. Begin in prayer. At which point, if you're not doing those things, man, we cease to be the church. Read Luke 10 as instructions, simple and bold. Jesus simply sent them. A short-term assignment, then come back. Let's talk about it. Let's disciple you guys on how to do better. Discipleship is vital, too. Here's the thing about prayer walking, too. And again, I have a video on this, so you can go watch it on YouTube. But prayer walking... So I'm not going to give you every <laughs> tip on prayer walking. Go watch that. But I find that using your vocal cords, just speaking it out loud, or Acts 4, raising their voice, focuses your prayer. When you're walking with someone, hearing their feedback, their approval, whatever it is, it helps to focus your prayer. Let's continue here. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the, dust off, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. This sounds pretty harsh to me. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. 
I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me. The one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. It sounds pretty harsh to me, but again, we always need to go back to this and renew it. Always need to go back and align with it. And I realize I usually go to this verse and I go, I'll just skip that part. It's shaking the dust principle. How to apply it? Because I realize if I'm not applying it, I'm not obeying Jesus at some level, where he said to shake the dust. And I guess I'll say this, to put it simply, you need to have boundaries with some people. He wanted them to have boundaries with some of these cities. I don't think that means, hey, you should totally cut off certain people in your life forever. I know this isn't in the Bible, but in my house, I need to dust the same thing like again and again and again. So be open to receiving the same people again and again and again. But you might have to do some dusting there to put it in my household terms. I want to be obedient to Jesus in that dusting as well. And the thing is, Jesus did that. You think of how he weeped over Jerusalem. It was an act of grieving, an act of sorrow. It wasn't, ha-ha, take that. It was down on his knees, weeping. So if you, if you don't really have that posture, you probably shouldn't have the shake the dust posture with persons in your life. It sounds harsh, but it is a sorrowful thing that Jesus is getting at. I'm going to bring it in for a close here, and we're going to welcome up Kelsey and Cody in a moment to speak on our communion today. But I'm going to say this as strongly as Jesus puts it. Ultimately, people will either receive Jesus or reject him. Ultimately, you will either receive Jesus or reject him. And maybe you feel caught in between those two. Maybe you're saying, not yet. Maybe you're saying, I'm not ready to say all in. Or maybe you're saying, I don't know how to do all of Luke 10 all at once right now. Again, Jesus isn't looking for the perfection. He's looking for the commitment. He's looking for the learner. He's looking for the humble person that says, Jesus, I'm not sure how to pray, but if I go, can your Holy Spirit help me to pray? To be poor in spirit. So I ask, are you willing to become a learner again, dependent on him? To say, I'm not great at prayer, but I need it. God's looking for prayer walkers. God's looking for... Bible readers who are going to read the word and then pray it. People who join him in his mission. Yes, people who will open their eyes to the harvest. Them too. He's looking for people who are willing to receive his vision. People who are willing to obey his destruction. That instruction, that as well. Who are willing to ask, where is the kingdom not? How can I take it there? God's looking for laborers in the harvest. Yes, but it, it just all begins with prayer. The root before the fruit. So as I ask if you're willing to pray for others until you're praying with others.
Let's pray real quick, and then I'll hand it off to Kelsey and Cody. Father God, I thank you for giving us so much prayer in your word. And God, I thank you for giving us great prayer warriors right in this room. Lord, I thank you for giving us the great instructions of Luke 10 so that we can go out and we can, we can honestly just pray Luke 10 and try to follow it simply and boldly, Lord. Not complicated. Uh, not make it awkward, but put the burden on your Holy Spirit and on prayer, God. God, I pray that we can do this more two by two. Pray we can do this more when we have prayer events in the church corporately. I pray we can do this more when we just go out with no one else but us and you, God. Lord, I pray that it's out of remembrance and dependence on you that we do that. I pray we can focus our hearts on that now as Kelsey and Cody share with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It would mean so much to us if you were to leave us a review and a rating for our podcast so that this message can reach others. Thank you.